0: Good morning and welcome to Current Radio. It's Friday, December 29th. Today, we delve into the world of science as researchers destroy 99% of cancer cells in the lab using vibrating molecules, and we explore the chaos caused by seasonal shifts due to climate change in UK nature. Plus, we'll discuss Japan's ambitious plans for a moon landing in the late 2020s as part of a US-led program and question whether astrobiology is considered serious science. All this coverage and more, up next. Welcome to Current Radio's Science Station. Please enjoy today's selection of science news. Cancer has long been a formidable foe in the medical world, but scientists are discovering new ways to fight it. One such method involves stimulating aminocyanine molecules with near-infrared light to destroy cancer cells. Charlotte, can you tell us more about this innovative approach?
1: Absolutely, Diego. This research comes from a team at Rice University, Texas A&M University, and the University of Texas. They've found that by using near-infrared light, they can cause aminocyanine molecules to vibrate in sync, which can break apart the membranes of cancer cells. Aminocyanine molecules are already used in bioimaging as synthetic dyes, and they're very good at attaching themselves to the outside of cells.
0: So they're using something that's already in use in the medical field, but in a new way. How does this compare to previous methods?
1: Well, this new approach is a significant improvement over a previous method involving what's known as Feringa type motors. This new generation of molecular machines, dubbed molecular jackhammers, are over a million times faster in their mechanical motion than the Feringa type motors. And importantly, they can be activated with near infrared light rather than visible light, which allows scientists to reach deeper into the body. This could potentially treat cancers in bones and organs without needing invasive surgery.
0: That sounds like a major breakthrough. How effective has this method been in tests?
1: In lab tests on cultured cancer cells, the molecular jackhammer method had a 99% success rate at destroying the cells. It was also tested on mice with melanoma tumors, and half of the animals became cancer-free. It's still early days for this research, but these initial findings are very promising indeed.
0: It's fascinating to see how science continues to innovate in the fight against cancer. And speaking of significant changes, Climate change is causing a dramatic shift in the UK's seasonal patterns, leading to what the National Trust calls chaos for nature. Charlotte, can you elaborate on how these changes are impacting the UK's ecosystems?
1: Absolutely, Diego. The National Trust warns that the loss of predictable weather patterns is disrupting the regular rhythm of the seasons. This is making plants and wildlife more susceptible to disease and is affecting everything from trees to animals. For example, 2023 saw a series of temperature records, leading to warmer winters that allowed pests and diseases to thrive. This, coupled with low water levels due to lack of rain and high temperatures, has led to increased algal blooms, which in turn have caused mass fish deaths.
0: So it's not just about warmer temperatures, but also about the unpredictability of these changes. How is this unpredictability impacting the UK's flora and fauna?
1: Indeed, Diego. The unpredictability is causing what's known as a baseline shift in the seasons. This is disrupting the annual behaviors of animals and impacting trees and plants. For instance, warm temperatures have prompted some shrubs to bloom early, making them susceptible to sudden cold snaps. This affects not just the plants, but also the pollinators and the birds that feed on their seeds. The UK's most iconic tree, the oak, could be particularly hard hit by these rising year-round temperatures.
0: That's concerning. What about the impact on animals?
1: Animals are also feeling the effects, Diego. For example, animals that hibernate, like dormice, are emerging from their winter sleep earlier and can quickly use up their vital remaining stores of energy. Red deer in some areas are becoming sexually active later in the year, leading to calves being born in the autumn rather than the summer. This affects their ability to build up fat reserves to get them through the winters, leading to higher mortality rates.
0: It's clear that these changes are having a profound impact. Are there any measures being taken to mitigate these effects?
1: Yes, there are efforts underway to build resilience into the UK's landscapes and ecosystems. For example, the National Trust is working to return a Somerset River to its natural state, allowing it to meander and create wetlands. This not only helps combat flooding and drought, but also increases the diversity of wildlife and allows for more carbon storage. However, as the National Trust's National Climate Change Consultant Keith Jones warns, The U.K. needs to prepare for increasingly extreme weather in the years to come.
0: A sobering reminder of the challenges ahead. And speaking of significant developments, it seems that a Japanese astronaut is likely to land on the moon as part of the U.S.-led Artemis lunar exploration program. Charlotte, can you tell us more about this exciting news?
1: (laughs) Certainly, Diego. Japan and the United States are reportedly in the final stages of arrangements, with Japan hoping to see one of its astronauts on the moon by the late 2020s. This would make Japan only the second country to send an astronaut to the moon, following the United States.
0: That's quite a milestone. What role is Japan playing in the Artemis program?
1: Japan announced its participation in the Artemis program in 2019. Its contributions include supplying the HTV-X unmanned cargo transport vehicle for the planned Gateway Space Station and developing a lunar rover. Toyota Motor Corp is even taking a leading role in developing a high-performance exploration vehicle for long-term activities on the moon.
0: So in return for Japan's contributions to the program, the United States is offering the opportunity for a Japanese astronaut to land on the moon.
1: That's correct, Diego. And not just one, but there are also negotiations for a second Japanese astronaut to land on the moon. The United States plans to land Americans on the moon in 2025, marking the first people to do so since the Apollo program half a century ago. From 2028, they aim to send astronauts there once a year.
0: This is certainly a giant leap for international cooperation in space exploration. And speaking of space, astrobiology, the study of life in the universe, has faced criticism for its lack of concrete evidence and its perceived reliance on science fiction. Some even argue that the term astrobiology is used more as a buzzword to attract funding rather than a legitimate scientific field. Charlotte, can you shed some light on this debate?
1: Absolutely, Diego. Astrobiology is indeed a relatively new field, and it does face some unique challenges. The search for extraterrestrial life is inherently speculative, and it's true that we have yet to find concrete evidence of life beyond Earth. However, this doesn't necessarily undermine the scientific status of astrobiology. Many scientific fields, such as theoretical physics, also deal with phenomena that are yet to be directly observed.
0: Interesting. What about the influence of science fiction? Does that affect the credibility of astrobiology?
1: Well, science fiction has certainly played a role in shaping our ideas about alien life. But it's important to remember that science fiction and science often influence each other. Many scientific discoveries were once the stuff of science fiction. As for the use of astrobiology as a buzzword, it's not uncommon for emerging fields to use catchy terms to attract attention and funding. This doesn't necessarily reflect on the validity of the research being conducted.
0: So, despite the criticisms, you would argue that astrobiology is indeed a serious scientific discipline.
1: Yes, I would. Astrobiology combines elements of biology, astronomy, and other sciences to explore one of the most profound questions. Are we alone in the universe? While it's a challenging field with many unknowns, it's also pushing the boundaries of our knowledge and understanding. So yes, astrobiology is indeed serious science.
0: Thank you for that perspective, Charlotte. It's fascinating to consider the potential of this emerging field. And that wraps up our stories for today. Thanks for tuning in to Current Radio. We'll see you back here tomorrow.